your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. And we're back. Welcome to Season 2 of the Off Tackle Empire podcast, better known as Off Tackle Empire. Oh, long off season. Um, hope everybody's gotten over the case of the summer doldrums. Back football once again. Uh, nothing, nothing bad happened in the off season either. Nothing really to talk about to recap since the end of our team by team series. Let's just get right into talking about this season, please. Can we? Please, God. Just no, unfortunately, we God. cannot because we're gonna pop open our win fight try Brewster of the week. Which is Lager of the Lakes by Bells Brewing Company in Kalamazoo. And the reason that this one is relevant is because uh, probably most of the leadership of most of our member universities should just go ahead and be uh, uh, anchored down to some concrete blocks and floated to the bottom of the lake. Yeah, just well, just if you're a fan of a Big Ten football team, there's about a 50-50 chance that you probably wish that your coach would just walk into the O's mouth in this office. It's been a bad one, guys. And it For a while, it was quiet. Everything was quiet until tail end of June. And then from there... Uh, it just everything fell apart very quick. Well, I mean, Michigan State was, of course, still in, you know, still at the time the offseason started, still kind of in the crosshairs, uh, facing heat over just how they'd handled the remainder of the whole situation last year, and you know, nobody was really thrilled with the uh, with the official response, and they they're, they kind of still haven't really moved on from it. No, still nobody is. It continues to be a disaster. I'm st- it's still very much up in the air if I'm ever going to give another dime to that school again. Uh, it's as big of a fan and as big a proud of an alumnus as I otherwise am. Uh, the way the administration's handled the resolution of Larry Nasser and the calamity that he's been has has itself been a disaster. So that whole thing continues to be an ongoing crisis. The thing is, any faint connection that there might have been between that and the football team has basically dropped, and so nobody's really talking about it anymore, at least outside of this state. It still gets brought up here occasionally every time the interim president says or does something stupid. Uh, but from a national radar standpoint, I think people have kind of moved on. So with Michigan State already kind of uh, getting a bunch of red flags from the from the media and from the public coming into this offseason, they were quickly uh, joined by, well, not so much joined as oh, uh, surpassed. Laughed. Yeah, we yeah. laughed, man. Um, you know, as far as, it, it, to the extent there were any questions about Mark Antonio's program connected to that E60 piece that came out. He gave his answer. He said, look, I'm satisfied I did everything fine. If you think otherwise, show me what I did wrong. And that was kind of the end of it. Nothing ever came back from ESPN saying, oh, well, here's what you didn't report, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so after he made his response, that was kind of the last we heard of it. And then, like I said, pretty much all was quiet until we get the tragedy of Jordan McNair on, I believe, June 3rd. <laughs> Initially, it didn't necessarily look like there was going to be any problem for DJ Durkin there, but as time went by and more information came out, uh, we now have a situation where heading into the season, he's on indefinite administrative leave. Uh, The timetable for resolution of that investigation, I think, is supposed to be around the middle of September, they're looking to get that done. Hard to see any scenario where he comes back as their head coach, right? I just can't possibly see it happening. there's just too much. I mean, how how are you ever going to win any recruiting battles when you've got a very credible, you, you know, when your rivals can very credibly say to your target recruit's parents, "Look, we don't have a track record of having you know medical maladies happen to to people." You know, there that's a humongous red flag to anybody who's who's trusting their son's health to 
advanced program. And if there was ever an argument Durkin was going to try to make that, oh, we did everything that we possibly could, this is just one of those tragedies that's unavoidable, his school president kind of threw that argument out the window and he said, we accept responsibility for what happened. Um, Preliminary indication to be that there was an an excuse delay based on the timeline information that we have. We'll get all that formalized ones out, but... Yeah, it, even if Maryland decides to keep him, what what's what's a successful next couple of years look like for DJ Durkin in the wake of this? Uh, how does a locker room react to this? Even if they come together on the field, are you? I mean, are you not? You know, like I said, I mean, there's who do you convince to come and play for your program with these questions lingering? Over? Yeah, I mean, even if it's even if it's totally not fair, even if it ends up being not fair, which you know, I I can't comment on that, but. Even if it were just completely unfair, the fact is, he's a marked man. He's basically cancerous at this point. And so it'll be kind of interesting to see how this plays out on the field, obviously. But in terms of a coaching staff going forward, they did appoint an interim in Matt Canada, who is new to the staff. Um, I've not really seen any indications so far that he had anything to do with the training session in question or that he was even there. I could be wrong about that. Maybe he was, but... Having a guy who's had experience with multiple programs before, you may have a built-in replacement um, already on hand. And it would certainly help carry over a little bit of continuity to have a guy there who's already familiar with the team, familiar with the program, but maybe distance himself uh, from the McNair happening. Well, I mean, you know, we're not ready to follow in South Park's footsteps and blame Canada just yet, but... Uh, the fact is that this reminds me an awful lot of still of the the whole Tim Beckman thing that happened in 2015, right down to the fact that you had players rally around the coach that was you know accused of having this uh, you know this toxic culture around around injuries and you know the whole attitude towards players. Um, the support of players has never meant anything to me in situations exactly. like this, though, because the guys who are still there and they're all in, they're yeah, all in yeah. for what they're doing, and they, whatever the guy says, they'll support. Because that's their leader. Right. And if you want to talk, again, about former players, they always bring that up. Well, yeah, again, if you succeeded under this guy, if you didn't transfer or wash out, you're not going to be the one that we hear from. And a lot of time, those guys don't want to speak up because they don't want to be involved with it. It was such a miserable experience. Of course, you want to put it behind you. You don't want to talk about it. Put your name in the headlines and then have hordes of angry Maryland fans coming after you. Although I don't know if they could muster enough numbers for Ford, but in any case... <laughs> Uh, it's perfectly understandable that if it was such a miserable experience that you did not finish your time with team because of it, maybe you don't want to talk about it. And and Maryland uh, has has handled things pretty poorly um, as far as all indications are concerned when they had an absolute nightmare of a press conference by uh, University President Wallace Lowe in which they, they kind of confirmed that they had not spoken to the family at all in like nearly two months or that they hadn't at least that they hadn't resolved it i being a, an attorney i couldn't when i saw that press conference i was actually a little bit relieved because i said well that means they settled it must mean they settled because he just admitted liability on television <laughs> there's there's no way that this thing isn't resolved from a loss from a litigation standpoint because how, I mean, <laughs> you, you and the fact is wallace lowe is a lawyer too or at least he went to law school so how he could have thought that that was an appropriate thing to do and say when we found out within a couple days as Jordan McNair's parents then go on a variety of interview shows and it's very clear they're not satisfied from a legal standpoint. Whether there's a number worked out or not, clearly there are some conditions they've asked from the school that haven't been met because they feel need to continue on this public relations tour for the foundation that they're promoting and discussing the incident itself, obviously. So yeah, it... <laughs> 
It blew my mind. I mean, I've seen some goofy things. I've seen some lawyers do things my time practicing, but that's got to be right up there, man. Another thing that can often happen with uh, football you have in, some, in the power positions is that some people get uh, tremendous sections by people just forgetting about things that they did or were charged or called about. And so that's going to segue us into our, uh, our next discussion of off-season occurrence at the Ohio State University. And... <laughs> Aren't you proud of your institution right now if you're a Buckeye fan? Well, I mean, the thing that amazes me the most is just how many scathing things the official report that came out around this time that they officially decided that Urban Meyer didn't really need much of a punishment. I mean, he's going to not be able to be on the sidelines for the first three games. That's pretty much it. So I'll be, you know, I'll be honest. I, I only expected one or two. I didn't think yeah. they'd suspend him for three because when I look at their schedule, I thought, well, that TCU game is the first one they might actually have a chance of losing. That's when he'll be back. Uh, but they suspended him for that game, too. And, and to make sure that we've got the details clear for anyone who doesn't know, he remains uh, suspended with, with pay, I believe, right? I think um, it was without pay. Uh, yeah, you're right. He's, he is suspended without pay. So he's suspended without pay, no contact with the team through the end of the first week. And then for those next two weeks, he's allowed to coach during the week and just can't be there on game days. So... Again, if you think that he's not going to have almost complete input over what happens, whether he's there or not, I think naive. It's not like assistants don't all have cell phones in their pocket. But either way, you know, these first two games, they've got, what, Oregon State, and then who do they play after that? Uh, Rutgers. Ah, yes. Vigorous challenge, that. I don't know how they're going to overcome the, the rough-and-tumble fellows from Piscataway without Urban Meyer on the bench to guide them. The mighty Gers. So anyway, it does kind of surprise me because Ohio State has kind of said that here that uh, at long last they found a coach that is bigger than Ohio State. That is Urban Meyer. It was not Woody Hayes. It was not Jim Trestle. Urban Meyer is bigger than Ohio State. Yeah, imagine that. Because when this story first broke, I know that my first impression was, wow, man, they're going to fire him. Because they've, Cause they've done things like that before. They've, and they fired Trestle for so much less for what was essentially a, a minor NCAA violation. I guess the whole thing was about who they lied to. Urban Meyer lied to everybody, but he didn't lie to the NCAA. <laughs> he didn't Jim Trestle lied to the NCAA. <laughs> sure. He Those are the people you cannot cross. He didn't specifically lie to the NCAA. He just lied to everyone. So uh, I guess that's what you have to do now. <laughs> um, so, look, the, I mean, the only thing that's left to say about this is if Urban Meyer was winning eight or nine or even ten games a season at Ohio State, they would have taken this opportunity to fire him out of a cannon because he won a national title within the last five years, went back to playoff at the top of the list for conference favorites every year, on the short list of teams playoff every year, continue rolling recruiting classes, roll out NFL players, fill the stadium, sell the merch, get the donations. He stayed. That's why. Not because what he did wasn't a fireable offense. It absolutely was. They could have let him go. And as we they've let go of other coaches for less. Other programs have let go of coaches for less. Other coaches, coach programs have let go of coaches for basically the same thing. So... That's about all there is to it. If you're an Ohio State fan, again, I'm, we're not trying to throw too much shade at you here because as we just said, this is part of the deal of being a football fan now. <laughs> we all know how the sausage is made because it's you know it's visible for us to see on sports networks every day now every time one of these stories breaks. You can't get away from it if you pay any attention at all to the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a thing now to where we're also seeing people in positions of power are kind of in this day and age. Um, you almost don't really have to pretend anymore that you're, you know, you only have to legally cover your ass as far as what can be held against you. You, you certainly don't have to play along with the traditional rules of decorum anymore. That's 
that's all out the window. So as long as you can keep yourself legally, you know, away from legal vulnerability, what does it matter if everybody knows that you're just really, really sketchy behind the scenes? Yeah, nothing really else to add to that. I mean, if there was ever an era where this kind of thing would have what I mean, there's probably a day and age when this sort of thing would cause a coach to voluntarily resign because shame would much, but that's just not the way that this operates. Or nobody's gonna voluntarily leave this job anymore when all you have to do is say the right things and <laughs> The one thing that did appall me is that he very carefully avoided actually apologizing to Courtney Smith. I don't know if he anticipates getting sued by her or what. I don't think that lawsuit had much for eating, really, but I guess I'll... Didn't he basically on. just apologize to everybody that were in this situation? Yeah, he was, was, that he basically was his sorry words? that it happened. It's, basically, it's the equivalent of saying, I'm sorry that that offended you, not I'm sorry that I said no, it. No, he didn't say, I'm sorry. It wasn't an I'm sorry I offended you. It's a, I'm sorry that bad things happened. We're not saying who they did or didn't happen to, but bad things happened, and uh, I'm sorry. I'm not necessarily responsible, but I do feel bad that they happened. You know, I'll tell you, for a guy who's supposed to be just a football coach, uh, he shows one of my favorite techniques from the legal field, which is when you need to minimize something that's happened, you put it in the passive voice. Nobody does anything. Things just happen. And, you know, once they happen, then you deal with them, you address them from there. But it's not anybody's doing necessarily cause something to happen. A thing just happened. So the more you need to minimize the impact of something, the more passive terms you describe it in. You know, I guess we kind of close the circle on that. Um, anyway, we got, we got a lot more uh, to discuss on the, uh, the lotter as of. Uh, moving on to a team we don't usually see here, whether it's because they're squeaky clean as can be or because uh local media and police complicit wherever you want to believe uh wisconsin joins us now in in the hall of shame here uh one of the more recent stories that broke uh, who figured to be the number one receiver this year quintez cephas indefinitely suspended due to sexual assault charges um another wide receiver danny davis who I don't know, I, he get, I guess some people listed him as a number four. Based on the way he ended the season, I would call him a two. Uh, but in any case, two of their top four receivers now suspended. And we talked about when we looked at the offense of this team, we kept saying, you know, the thing that could make this Wisconsin offense special is that this is one of the greatest receiving cores ever <laughs> assembled. Did. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, well, here we go. So now Wisconsin faces the prospect of merely being an elite running team, like probably one of the better run offense in the last decade, uh, without the passing chops to necessarily back it up. I mean, it's possible that the other guys, um, you know, Kendrick Pryor and A.J. Taylor and whoever else they have at wide receiver um, could step up and that they will also not miss it be Magali and Ramish. They typically replace the positions to leave, but it is a couple more guys missing from, I mean, when we talked about this Wisconsin offense as being one of the better units they've had ever because they had so much back last year and so many of those guys were promising. Losing these two guys is a big problem on the field. Give them some credit, I suppose, for immediately suspend these guys. Um, I think it kind of remains seen exactly what role Davis played in this, because two games for being involved with what he's apparently involved with, as far as this goes, is kind of an odd number, and it feels like a number that might change. It's either none or I think. Yeah, um, this was this was probably right around the time that we were going down the roster as far as well. Okay, who is overdue for a black mark on their on their <laughs> resume here? Yeah. Because Wisconsin had been. Uh, like I, like we said, at the very least, had not been taken to task for anything. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, um, another team that since this, since dismissing Kevin Wilson hadn't really been in the headlines much. Indiana suspended projected starting running back um, Morgan Ellison. <laughs> 
indefinitely, but we still don't know why. Um, it's just, I think it's just phrases violation of team rules, which could be anything from he killed five hookers, allegedly, um, to he missed a couple classes too many. We have no idea what the suspension means. They do have other options at running back, but their offense was already replacing a number of guys anyway, so... Now, and keep in mind that this is totally baseless, but in general, when I see unspecified violations of team rules, I think something along, something related to drugs... Typically, That yeah. does typically tend to be how it turns out. Right. Drug violations where the cops were not alerted or there were charges or anything that just they knew about. Um, so, yeah, it, that would be wild speculation. We have no idea what the issue can else. Maybe it's, like I said, maybe he just slept in too many. But. Iowa had some parties. Um, Iowa did a few interesting things. Yep, we have, uh, well, first of all, again, we've got two guys out for the violation team rules issue. That would be starting left tackle, Alaric Jackson, and starting defensive tackle, Cedric Lattimore. Um, not exactly clear what that means, again, because the violation team can mean anything. Uh, and then in two separate public drunken incidents, um, defensive tackle Brady Reef now suspended, uh, as is right tackle Tristan Wirfs. He, perhaps the most culpable of the group, as he decided to hop on a moped with two other people uh, and drive drunk. And even though it's so hilarious, he's on a moped, he's a big offensive lineman, nobody got hurt, what's the big deal? Uh, he's still driving drunk. Driving drunk on a moped is perhaps more dangerous than driving drunk in a car because there's nothing to protect your passenger hits. Um, now that being said, however, Iowa went ahead and suspended those two for the first game of the season, and we got a little peach of a statement from offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, who just wants to make sure everyone knows that Iowa still has the high ground. Absolutely. Now, as far as hijinks are concerned, Rutgers had one of those crazy get-rich-quick schemes go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, earlier in the season, we had a few guys suspended for this, and then two of them ended up being dismissed earlier. Two more guys dismissed recently. A total of eight players involved. I think all of them from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, in, you know, just a just an innocent little collegiate credit card scheme. So, uh... Yeah, stole about $11,000 total, which split eight ways. I mean, that's probably not even grand larceny in the state of New Jersey, if I had to guess. Uh, but still, uh, KJ Gray projected as a starting safety. He gone uh, as our seven other players defensive depth for what figured to be the relative strength of team, the defense. Yeah, and of course, Illinois is currently maintaining the fourth spot on the Fulmer Cup leaderboard That's entirely a damn because technicality they don't belong in the same picture. But they had a pretty decent. Let let's just give give them credit where credit is due. The deer heist was pretty funny. So yeah. a couple of backup linebackers decided to swipe a deer statue, and then like rookies, they put it on top of the house where they were living. You put those things inside the house. Where, where you can control who can see it. How else is everyone going to know how awesome Robot House is? Uh, <laughs> Robot House! Uh, but yeah, you know, by comparison to what the rest of the conference has been up to this offseason, Illinois at least did have their shenanigans be, you know, cheeky and fun rather than cruel and tragic. Of course, there's also, I mean, that, that, that was even more innocent than their goofy little uh, great dorm room heist of 2017. Though the one where they... Dude, uh, we are not going back in time and discussing more <laughs> Illinois violations. We do actually have to talk about the game eventually. <laughs> well, right. in any case, this segment has been brought to you by the Abyss. And if thou gaze long into an Abyss, the Abyss will also gaze into thee. So, gaze into that Abyss, and we're going to gaze into Week Zero, 
<laughs> yeah, this is a thing that uh, happens in college football every year now. It started like a couple seasons ago where we just, before the season actually starts, play like three or four random games. And season creep, damn it. I'm I, yeah, you. man, it, college football's backing it up as much as Christmas is now. Pretty soon we're going to have 4th of July kickoff games. That would, um, But anyway, <laughs> um, no Big Ten teams involved with these games, so on the one hand, I think maybe they don't count. Uh, on the other, perhaps some useful information that can be gleaned here. We have um, one opponent of a Big Ten team that was playing um, the Wy- in the Wyoming versus New Mexico State game, so a little information there. And also, uh, the Hawaii-Colorado State game uh, was a heck of a game, apparently. I listened to a little bit around the radio, didn't actually watch it, but um, Hawaii entered the fourth quarter, I think, up by like 34 points, and it ended up being a single-score game at one point, and then Hawaii got the field goal to clinch it, so... Back and forth, I mean, I think people expected Colorado State to be a relatively strong group five team. Who knows if this ends up saying more about them or about Hawaii. It's the first season, it's week. We never know what any of these games say about anybody. Um, but we do have, well, I'm first, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I don't think you watch that game. Nope, not at all. Um, I mean, Hawaii is such an interesting thing because they, they kind of had a couple of years of being good and then never really got back to form before becoming so awful that they were talking about shutting the program down. They might be coming back to life here. Well, I mean, they went 3-9, and nine, I think, a year ago. Um, but Nick Rolovich is generally who does a good match because there are such unique challenges to playing in there. Um, but we would be remiss if we didn't point out that Hawaii should be the next addition to the Big Ten Conference because they pioneered, as far as I know, this has never been done before, pioneered two-punter formation, ladies and gentlemen. If that is not the B1G-est thing that I have ever heard Friends, I don't know what is. Add Hawaii, Jim. Add Hawaii. Oh, snap. You know what? Gotta get that Honolulu mark. I hate to make light of this, but apparently Hawaii has been having some serious problems with Hurricane Lane, and it's entirely possible that that hurricane will go and wreak havoc on Oklahoma next week, this week, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Of of all the... Can you believe, though, that Hurricane Lane... Ended up being a Pacific hurricane, not an Atlantic one, right? The one place where the lane train wouldn't really be affecting things too much this year. Yeah, uh, it would. I mean, it would have been really poetic justice if it had hit Southern California somehow. But. <laughs> or if the hurricane had just fallen up, you know, straight into the stratosphere and dispersed. Well, I mean, to the extent that I think most hurricanes south north, I guess if you look at them on a map, you will be falling up. Fair enough. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire.